Loving Beyond the I Do podcast is produced and sponsored by LegendaryRelationship.com. All things marriage, all the time. Welcome to episode number 28. On today's episode, we're going to speak with Cedric and Sajada Williams, which have been married for 22 years. Cedric is a Texas transplant, which they like to say he got there as fast as he could. Sajada is an East Texas girl, native Texan, and proud to call Fort Worth home. The couple enjoys the view, smelling the roses, and laughing at family pictures. They live, love, and sell real estate around Fort Worth and enjoy providing one-on-one personal service to their clients. They are privileged to touch hundreds of potential clients and homeowners every year, literally opening doors to home ownership. In short, they make people feel at home and they have sold many homes in the process. And their team, Magnolia Residential Group, stands on the shoulders of Keller Williams Realty and they are blessed to be part of such an amazing company and culture. They look forward to sharing their Southern hospitality and marketing expertise with you. Cedric reigns over real estate logistics, is a master organizer and makes a mean pot of chili. <laughs> so Jada, on the other hand, is the marketer, wordsmith, and communication queen. <laughs> and she got awards to prove it. In short, they love children. They are parents of one-year-old twin girls and are so grateful to the Lord for entrusting them to raise the girls according to his stature. This show has a lot of personality, big personality. Well, would you expect anything else coming out of Texas? So let's get right into it. Cue the music. <laughs> Welcome to Loving Beyond the I Do Podcast. This power couple is building stronger marriages one day at a time. Talking about real issues on love, relationships, and marriage longevity. Let's break down the barriers and engage in healthy conversation with your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. Take a seat and buckle up because things are about to get real. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Loving Beyond the I Do. Yep, this is interesting. So we've been talking for about 30 minutes, and I never hit record. So you guys get to get it fresh again without even knowing that you get to get it again. That's so true. <laughs> All right, so today we have on the show Cedric and Sajada Williams. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to Welcome the show. Back. Yeah, We are Cedric and Sajada Williams from Fort Worth, Texas. We uh, have a real estate business together, and we've got twin beautiful one-year-old girls. Yep, and we'll be married here's August. Sounds great. So tell me about how you guys met, because I know Cedric did his thing and he got his queen. You know what I'm saying? So we were that little, that young love story. We were 13 and 14. We are from two different places. So I'm from East Texas. Cedric's from Mississippi. Both of our families were on a trip to Disney World. Oh, and wow. And we met at swimming pool at the resort we were staying. <laughs> at 13 and 14. Wow. At 13 and 14. And so we both went back home, started writing old school letters to each other um, oh it's cool just think just think how easier it would have been in today's society right oh, like you can absolutely. text and keep in touch yes yeah. but we wouldn't have all those letters those handwritten letters <laughs> yes. from way back then one of the things he just said is those 25 cents a minute phone calls because you know it was yes. back then and so we we dated we were high school sweethearts that's Mi- some Mississippi story in texas and you guys yeah. were high school sweethearts and so yeah. what made you guys keep in touch like you you met in the swimming pool you were like oh you 
you're cute. Yeah, you're cute. But oh, I mean, like at 13 and 14, you haven't even gone into high school yet. And yeah, so you really crazy. haven't met anyone. Right. Yeah. So I, I will let me jump in. I was smitten. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, to give you kind of a little insight as to why I was so smitten, because just before that trip, I had prayed. That I, I had gotten on my knees. This was young. I was 14. I had gotten on my knees because at the time, there was just, I think there was something going on in, in my life. But I was like, Lord, I pray you send me my wife. And that would yeah. make sense if you saw his parents' relationship. Right. They have just a beautiful marriage. And so I met her and I felt in my spirit that if, when your wife comes, you will marry her. Anyway, <laughs> that prayer came true. I would just say that we're yeah. here today. We were high school sweethearts. We broke up for three years. We got back together. And, wait, and wait, 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 wait. Hold up. That's a whole a lot of work to be invested in just to be like we broke up for three years yeah. <laughs> did we say we were did i say i was stupid That's stupid uh, you pray for it you get it and yeah. then you got stupid. You know, when you just think you got something that's too good to be true, how yeah. can it be true? Yeah. You know, and listening to other people and, and just, you know. It's funny that you say that because Jason and I were having a conversation about people interjecting themselves in your relationship. Whether right. it's when you're married or even if when you're dating, they're on the outside looking in. But that right. doesn't right. get you off the hook. Let's get back to that stupid part. <laughs> <laughs> and I put stress on the stupid. I think that we can chalk that up really to being young and inexperienced. I think we all go through through that. Yeah. So I think it's important yeah. to go through that in the beginning. And my favorite part about that story that I do love is that during that time, the stupid went really far. And he, so he got engaged and had a, a date on the calendar and everything. But the blessing about us get, knowing each other so young is because we, because we couldn't drive or anything like that. Our parents had to build a relationship together to get us together at all. Oh, right. Yeah. And so our moms reached out to each other, called each other. And when his mom was like, what are we going to do? Cause I know my, my son loves Sajada. My, our moms were like, we are locking arms in prayer and we're going to pray them out of that relationship. And they did. Wow. Wow. So sometimes when people interject themselves, it's, it can, be for your good and in that case i think it really was for our good okay so let's let's go back to because we're skipping all over what happened you guys dated up until how long to what what age or what grade yeah and then what happened year in high yeah. school and i went off to the military you said the first year in high school no we dated we broke up before senior year in high school. Oh, so you guys are in the same grade. Okay. Great, yeah. So yes. I'm, I'm still waiting for the story. We broke up. Um, senior off, year, we yeah. were apart. Go ahead. Went off to the military. I went off to college. I was gone for a few years. I came back. The Lord spoke to me again to reach out to her. And it was just before your birthday. Yes. And at uh, that point, I was like, I have a boyfriend. No, <laughs> it wasn't her talking, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it really was. Because I knew, I really did know from the time that I met him that he would just be such an awesome husband. But I was like, you know, whatever. And so then, you know, my birthday came and the guy that I was dating at the time, it wasn't half of what it would have been if Cedric and I had been dating. And I'm like, you know what? This is probably not the best scenario. So I'm kicking this dude to the curb because he did not step up at all. It was kind of weird. About a month later, I found a letter from Cedric that somehow I had never opened. And I opened it and I read it and it just really kind of moved me. And I thought it was weird because because back then when you got letters, you know, it was a big deal it right. went immediately. And so somehow I must have gotten multiple pieces of mail, didn't open it. Anyway, so it was it was about a month later. 
And I opened it, called him back and was like, hey, do you want to come visit? And so when he came down, my parents loved him. I mean, from the very beginning, every time he would come down, y'all, this is this is kind of sweet. Every time he'd come down from Mississippi, he always brought roses every single time, wow. which is why I went into marriage thinking it's all going to be fantasy. Exactly. He mm-hmm. it totally fed into fantasy because every time he showed up, the dude had roses every single time. Well, that's because he wasn't around the corner. Like he didn't come, he didn't come very often. He had to come with an impression and leave an impression. But I'm still wondering, like, when did you get engaged? When did that engaged thing start? Yeah. So we got back together and then we dated for the last two years of college. And then right after college, he proposed and we were engaged for about six months. And then I kind of called off the wedding because I thought for a second, wait, I just graduated from college. I need to go like try to live my life first and then get married. And, and then I realized that was just not, that, that just wasn't, wasn't as smart as I thought it was initially. And, and then we got married. So tell me about the uh, engagement. No. Yeah, not your engagement, his engagement. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. In between so, what time was that? So I'm glad I've had a lot of counseling since then. So now we can talk about it, right? It's okay. We'll I can talk about, about it. That's yeah. good because we can't, then we may need to move on. Right. Jason had a friend who had a girlfriend and he wanted to bring up an old girlfriend. And his new girlfriend was like, I'm not over that. And the conversation just went cold. <laughs> so one of our standing <clears throat> things is when Jason says something, we make a joke. I'm not over that yet. Which means that, you know, hey, nope. I still can't talk about that. So it's funny that Cedric <laughs> says that he can laugh about it now because yeah. that is important. Yeah. It yeah. took some years. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the part of the story I did not want told as a part of our story. Right. That's the reason he wasn't yeah. over it. Not that he wasn't over Is that right? Yeah. Not that you weren't over <clears throat> that relationship, but... He, the perfection, because you want to hold on to the perfect and story. Yes, sorry. Just terrible that I heard her like that at that time. And I did not want to rehash it for her feelings or my feelings to be heard by it. But it brought us together, though. Notice how Cedric keeps jumping over that. I still don't know when he engaged, when he proposed. <laughs> he went off to the military right. in between, you know, dropping yeah, off you, some roses, he, walking around this issue big okay. time. I'm I'm gonna ask you like this so can okay. we talk about that or should we just move on we can- no it's okay it's okay i'm trying to figure out what can i say i don't <laughs> know the story and after high school or before you went to the military so it was after high school i've already been in the military for about a year okay. i came back home proposed to that person we still were in, we were engaged for a year or two or something like that and uh, over that course of that time she would get angry about something throw the ring back in and that happened like three times and so that third that, time the mom- third time the moms were praying about it that relationship kind of was like i wasn't even talking to her anymore and so i so jada found that letter that's when we got went and met back up again we talked we talked that night for 12 hours no 24 hours felt like it yeah he when he came back to the house he would go back and stay at my parents house and so the weekend he came in he went to my parents house and so I went home for the weekend and we sat up on the couch and literally just talked and cried and talked and cried all yeah it was all night so the next next morning morning, my mom was like so what happened so a great communicator here suggested (laughs) mandated because he asked me to go back i asked her hey can we be back to being boyfriend and girlfriend and and so so jada said well you need to go and officially end that other relationship (laughs) you know so i drove back six five hours straight Right back there, drove up to the house and said, we're done. No cell phones at that time. You know, drove up, opened my car door, stepped outside and said, 
We are done. Wow. wow. You didn't even give her a chance to answer, huh? I'm short and to the point. We're done. <laughs> See you later. Have a good life. Absolutely. So you think yeah. that that time that you guys had on the couch made the difference in your relationship? That's where you oh, actually absolutely. just went from being girlfriend and boyfriend to something a little bit more meaningful? You guys really discovered each other look like on that couch. That was the turning point. Yeah. That was the catalyst yeah. that really sparked in us because I knew I wanted to marry her. I knew, and I was like, when can I do it? Feasibly, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew what it took. You can't just go get married. You know, it took, takes more than that. So I knew we had to make a plan and I had to figure things out and get myself back to where I need to be to support her. My thing about marriage, young, I knew that I needed to be a great support for my wife. And so I wanted to make sure that I had it together enough. We, we put this unrealistic set of goals on ourselves, especially men. They have to have this. I have to be able to do this. I have to be able to do that. And right. sometimes that adds pressure, unnecessary right. pressure that sometimes when you go into marriage, you've already got a pressure on you that doesn't need to be there. Or as, right. as you know, as a wife, okay, I want to make sure that when we get married, I'm doing this, 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 and this. And that's an unrealistic goal too. That's part of that fantasy and reality. Yeah. 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 You know, and one thing that you said, I wanted to to bring out that that I had never thought about, I guess, until today was that there was something that happened on that couch. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of confession. It was a lot of humility. It was a lot of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of decision of commitment to move on. And I think that has to happen. I mean, that has happened a million other times, right? In the past 22 years. (laughs) But, you know, that has to happen over and over in marriage for marriage to continue. Yes, we have to continue to do those things. And I think sometimes that's where a lot of marriages fall short. Right. Right. Yeah. So and, and part of that, again, going back to that fantasy reality you know no, that right. got real when you sat on the couch you guys got real with one another it wasn't right it was just exactly. you know you two and you looked into each other's eyes and you told the truth and you just you bared it all there exactly right. exactly right. but then you still get up off the couch and think it's gonna go back to fantasy because so, in, yeah. in your mind that's what you really want and everything <laughs> is blissful but that's right. just not how yeah. it is but that's what you yeah. hear that's what you think because when I you're in love that's what you feel yeah. right. right so exactly. so what was what was one of the perceptions of marriage that mm. your, that was your fantasy. And then what you when yeah. you got married, you realize like marriage is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I mean, so one of the things that I thought and I wouldn't say it's fantasy, I would think my expectation, one of the things that I thought was, OK, every single night I'm going to have to cook. I'm going to have to iron all of his shirts. I have to keep my house spotless. I have to I have to I have to I am going to have to. And what I realized <clears throat> when we got married was like it really was a blessing that he helped do so much stuff. I helped him. Two years ago, I was helping him do a lot of stuff because he just, he loves doing laundry and he'll do dishes and he'll do, you know, I think we just kind of helped each other in different ways. I think because of the perceptions that society has given us, I immediately thought that it was going to be an 80-20 situation where I was doing 80% and he was doing 20. And it was way more like a 65-35 reverse probably. Which brings us back to when I said we put these pressures on ourselves of these expectations as a wife and an expectation as a husband that we go into the marriage already with these expectations of what we have to do. Why? Because of what society says marriage is. That's what part of this podcast is about. Kind of breaking down what society says marriage is and kind of putting it out there. No, this is what marriage is. When you go into it and while you're married, we have to realize that marriage is nothing like what society says it is. 
you have to realize is that it's a partnership. Understanding that it's a partnership and there's no set roles. There's no such thing right. as I have to cook every night. Right. You know? Yeah, that's for sure. Right. You, yeah, that's right. You don't cook. But I don't like doing dishes. But I, I don't mind doing laundry. By the fact, it's kind of a running joke on the podcast. I don't even like to throw my plate in the garbage. So right. I always walk past the garbage can and sit it on the counter. And, yeah. and, and, I'm getting better this week. I threw the plate away. After bringing it up about 15 times on different podcasts, it's the little right. things that we can either choose to get upset over or we can yeah. choose to overlook and understand. So, and, and then that's, that's sort of, again, we can choose in marriage to yeah. major in the minors, something that really doesn't matter. And then we're arguing over things that really have absolutely nothing to do with what we're arguing over. We've right. just built a relationship of arguing or majoring in the minors. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. and, and that's a good point of, about when you started your marriage and he was willing to help. Right. But right. Cause and, he was invested into it. I mean, he really wanted it to succeed. They both did because, you know, they yeah. came together. But, but not all did. marriages are like that. I know that because right. people yep. get married for different reasons. That's true, too. And sometimes when they decide to get married, their ideas don't align. Right. And we always say start a marriage off the way you want to continue. We have some wives out there who started the marriage where they're doing 90% and the man is doing 10. And right. then they want to change it five, six years. Now the woman feels overworked, unappreciated. She's not, she's right. right. And she's like, okay, well, why can't you help out? However you start right. something, it's like anything. You kind of get if, into that rut of what you do. If you're happy in it, I don't need to change it. So right. if you start off doing 90% and I'm doing 10% right. and I'm happy with it, I don't need to change. And right. then that creates a problem. What do you think is the number one thing in marriages that makes people argue? Like, what is that number one thing? Communication. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's the biggest thing. Tone, words, mm -hmm. what's said, what's not said. An expectation of what should be said, I think, is a big one. Because of the way we are raised, we expect things to go the, the same way they went right. in our home of origin, right. our family of mm -hmm. origin. So communication, I think, looks alike, a lot like the story I always tell at Cedric's house when he was growing up. Because they lived on acreage and kind of out in the country. And so you'd pull up in the drive and his parents would come out of the house and meet you in the driveway. And we didn't. We lived in the city or not the city. I live in a small town. But we people pull up in the driveway and there were four of us. And my mom would be like, everybody does not need to rush the door. <laughs> exactly. And so just back up and let them get to the door. And so when I got married... I thought, well, we let people come to the door. We don't just run out. He did that for a while. It bothered me. Yep. I'm like, that's not the way things are supposed to be. <laughs> I realized the culture of our home now, the fun, and the funny thing is, is that our girls in their marriage will believe that the wife stays in the door <laughs> and the husband goes out to the driveway, right? Because that's what happens now. It just kind of went, you know what? This is what happens, and it's okay. And you know what? I know we talked about this before, but let's go back to you said early on when we weren't recording that you guys had a lot of marriage seminars or you reached out for help. So let's go over that again because I want to come back to what you just said about their perception of what happens when someone comes to the door. So early on in marriage, we knew that we, thinking because there's some advertisements going on, we knew that we did not want to be the statistics that we've been seeing. Yeah. So we like, okay, family life, check. We're going to go do that. Yeah. You know, marriage counseling. So I mean, from the very beginning, we went to our first, we won yeah. A, oh, yeah. a, a marriage conference right before we, we got, got married, married or right as soon as we got married. Yeah. And so our very first marriage conference that we ever went to, we'd only been mar married seven months and we yeah. were there like, 
No problems. Right. Everything's just oh, we, fine. They were like this. Oh, we don't have that problem, right, right honey? Right. Those problems. Yeah, we left early because you know <laughs> we don't need five years later. Five years we're later. like, let's take notes and notes and notes. Let's take notes yeah. this time. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And well, we believe in that. We really do. We we. I mean, we. I always say. I love the quote actually, and so now I always say that you can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that the problem was created. If we have an issue that we can't figure out and it keeps reoccurring, we need to get somebody else's perspective. You know, we're praying about it. We're asking the Lord for help. He provides those resources. We just need to. And that's so major because. A lot of couples don't go into thinking that way. We're so afraid of, in marriage. We'd rather hide our problems than really trying to solve them and have a happy marriage. So a lot of people just don't believe in counseling or reaching out to someone who is having a successful marriage. But it's very important in relationships is your mate's background. You said he was raised where they go out to the car and meet mm-hmm. and that it used to bother you. Like it really bothered you. Mm-hmm. That's really small because to him, he's thinking, OK, this is the way it's done. But it he's have, also going out to the car by himself. I was just going to say, which may have bothered him exactly. that you did not come along. You go out to the car it, to greet your guests. Right. And that's a small thing, it is. you know, in, in, in perspective. But it's important because of the way you guys were raised. So it's a background issue. But the background issue can create the conflict in your relationship. So how, how do you get over that? Did you actually just say, I'm not going to care? Or did you talk about it? I ask this because these are the little problems that marriages are going to come across. We really have to take into account how our mate was raised. Yeah, for me, I think it was, you know, realizing and not just on my own that marriage is a million little things. Yes. And so those million little things will be either piled on one side of the scale or the other, or you can just kind of take them all off the scale and realize that you're both on the same team. And how do I help this person move? How do I help us help you help me help you right. help me basically, mm-hmm. right? right? And I remember an older couple that we met, I think we were on a trip and they had been married like 60 years. And one of the things I always do when I, whenever we meet anybody that's been married over like 40 years is ask, how did you get there? And what is your secret? I don't care if we're in the elevator. And one of the, one of the times, and I always take them to heart, the lady said, it's not the big things in marriage that make the difference. It's the little things like knowing that he lays his glasses all over the house (laughs) and then he goes to bed. And the first thing he wonders when he wakes up in the morning is where are my glasses? So now the last thing I do before I go to bed is find his glasses and put them on his nightstand. That's what love is. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, and so I thought, you know, How can I do that more in my marriage? And I think that's one of the things that has opened up my heart to say in the things that that are truly him. I mean, there's there are certain things that I mean, like I decided to marry this man. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's because I saw all these great things about him. And then, of course, I found along the way that he's not perfect. Wow. What a revelation. Revelation. (laughs) Exactly. But what are the eyeglasses in his life Mm -hmm. and how can I collectively create a, a culture in our home? And I'm not perfect at it, but how can I create a culture in our home where I'm collecting those eyeglasses and kind of helping him on the back end. And I think he does the same thing for me. What did you actually do to actually overcome it? So I think praying about, we pray about everything, number one. But then one of the things that I try to do is for myself sometimes is a mind map. Like, okay, 
if something really bothers me, when I get a quiet time and I spend a lot, I mean, I love, which is one of the reasons why I, I love spending time in the tub versus taking a quick shower, right? In the tub and just really think, okay, why did this bother me? Once I kind of get back to a semi-happy place on it, right? Why did it bother me as much? Okay, what what's the background of that? Okay, where did that come from? Okay, where did it come from him? Because everything comes from somewhere. Another thing that I say all the time, everything comes from somewhere. So if you can start, and that's kind of with people in general, you know, that's with the coworker at work. She's not just annoying because she's annoying. <laughs> she's annoying because what was her birth order? Maybe she right. was the baby and she always got away with that. You yes. know what I mean? Where did that so come from? Those, where did it come from? And so I think once I kind of mind mapped it, I realized that's when I kind of said, oh gosh, Come to think of it, that's what they do at their, they've always done that at their house. He's always mm-hmm. gone out. I've, we've always stayed in. And so really having to, I think that's the blessing of being a middle child is really being able to see both sides, to stand in both right. shoes and be able to see it from both angles. And so once I was able to see it, being willing to see it from both angles, I think is the, is the short answer to your question. How I was able to do that is being able to stand in both shoes then I could see it differently because as long as I was only standing in my shoes, Mm -hmm. then I was only going to see it from my perspective. And that's the, that's the definition of a successful marriage, looking and being in the other person's shoes, point blank. Seeing it from their perspective. Yeah, you have to, because if you're only looking through your own lens, that's the only thing that you're going to see. You're not even going to see their point of view. Cedric, did that even bother you that you were uh, going out to the car? Or did she say, did she ever say like, why do you go out? Like, why are you rushing yeah. to the door? Of course. And in, in the beginning, she's like, why are we going to wait for them? They need to come to the door. Let the doorbell ring. Wait 10 seconds. And it's, it's so funny because, you know, Sajada so goes through the whole scenario of just just saying it. But uh-huh. Cedric goes, no. She said, like, he's so, he's so dramatic. I, oh, so about all of that, I've learned that she enjoys experiences and surprises. Yeah. So with that, even though I like going outside, mm-hmm. grew up that way. Her family waited to everybody got to the door right. because they're in her mind, it's an experience. In my mind, it was an experience outside to be able to create right. that emotion coming in. I knew if, eventually I accepted it. And eventually she got over me going out. Yeah. Yes, exactly. and we butted heads right. several times yeah. at, at the door. And okay. they're still standing outside on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> you can say we can laugh about it now so someone's yeah, outside right. you're behind the door arguing no so Jada, we need to let them in no let them ring the doorbell and so so you guys are already creating turmoil and they're outside going right. <laughs> and then you swing your door open and be like hey guys hey. <laughs> exactly. Come on in. exactly that's so funny but, but, but underneath your life here he goes again you know yeah. that that's so funny that is true but but it's funny but it's not funny because, like I said, right. that's Jason's plate. So I'm like, okay, I don't understand the reason behind not just putting it in the garbage. Like, I just don't understand I'm, that. I'm coming back. I had a thought, and this time, I, you know what? I need to put this down and go do something else. But he never, he never comes back. Just to let you guys know, he never. And so then. When I come back, the plate's gone. And that's your set of eyeglasses. There that's love. When she, I don't know if it's saying I love you. It's saying I'm not going to let this bother me. <laughs> I think at that point it becomes self-love. Because it's like, okay, either I can get upset and then I'm upset with just upset with everything, or I can love myself enough to say, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm just going to throw it in the garbage. And exactly. that's so many things in marriage when we say compromise. 
Because that's what it is. Even though you love the person, as we always say, another running thing, we have to love you when you're unlovable. And that's that's the difference. Can you love me when I'm unlovable? That's when the rubber right. meets the road right there. That's right. Because when you get into marriage, we're just so totally different. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot of times where I'm just unlovable. And it's not because right. you don't yeah. love me. It's because we're just different. So give us the, the situation in your marriage that was a big problem that you had mm-hmm. to overcome and how you overcame it. So if there's any mm-hmm. marriages out there that may be going through the same thing right now, we're going to talk mm-hmm. to them. I- I'm pretty sure that if you and I sat here long enough, we could go time after time after time where it may be glasses, it may be a plate, it may be the doorbell. They're pretty much all the same. It's just how do we handle them that makes the difference? I think, yeah, the biggest whammy, I think, in marriage is finances. She has her perspective of how to do finances. Mm. I have my perspective of how to do finances. Mm. And along the way, all of it, that minutia just starts to come, become this ravenous beast and it, yeah. and it blows up. Yeah. You know? And so that's something that we definitely had to work on. Mm-hmm. And we work on it, you know, even now, but we have, we're better at it, you know, just making sure we our spending habits are in check and, and our business needs are in check. And our family needs are taken care of over certain things, you know, shopping. You know, Amazon is killing everything now. Do you mind telling us, like, what may have been some of those issues? How did you conquer it? So in the beginning, my wife is a saver. She okay. is a save. She can save some camera money. That's a story. <laughs> That's a story there. And I'm a spender. If I see a need and it needs to be done, I need to take care of it. I'm going to do it right then instead of waiting right. for it. It's like, why wait? Let's do it now. Get it. And, you know, using your credit for everything, you know, but... That's how I looked at it, because that's just the way I did finances based on my background. But of course, we had to learn since we now become one and we are under one household and we got to figure this thing out because one saving, one spending is one of one's going to feel like they're never going to get anything and the other one's always taking. So we had to really kind of hone in on all of that. And, and one of the other things we realized, too, was that we were so different in how we even handled everyday things like our checking account. And when you listen to society, they say, well, when you get married, everything, it goes into one pot and you all need to go in the same checking account and you need to spend out of the same checking and you you have to do that because now you're married. And one of the things we realized was like, that's going to drive, I was like, that's this is going to drive me crazy because Cedric wants to, I mean, he's like Mr. Banker, super meticulous, um, literally was in banking. It's so funny, right after we got married. And I was in banking, but on the marketing side, on the corporate marketing side, okay. kind of behind the scenes. So literally, if he gets four cents in interest, it goes in on his balance sheet. I'm more like, if I have a hundred dollar balance, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm going to get a cushion, mm-hmm. I'm good. And, and so like, literally, it was causing more trying to keep up with the societal pressure. One checking account was causing more problems than us having separate checking accounts. Because I would have to, okay, I need you every single time you buy something, Tell buy me. Sonic Drink for 187 bring <laughs> me that receipt. You know, and so it was getting to be too much. And so that was a small thing. Yeah, I think that was a big thing. And that's what we said is the small things that are actually big things, things. that we yes. need to, right. Or it could have be- small things that become big because we don't know how to handle them. So guys, we took a little quick break. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you guys to, to picture this. All right. So... Cedric and Sajada have twin one-year-olds. It was time for the babies to wake up, and I guess the babies were making noise. Guess who jumped up and 
went to go check on the kids. It was Cedric. I guess it's one of those duties. My man. Right. 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 He was like Superman. He was like, oh, I heard something. And phew, he was exactly. <laughs> so go ahead and introduce us and, and let us know who right. we're uh, so now in the presence have, of. They have brought the babies on with them. This is Abby. She, she wanted to tell her own name. So we're, this is Abby and Alana. Okay, beautiful. Hi, ladies. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, so, you know, it was funny because, you know, so Jaden and Cedric wanted to be like, okay, well, we got to get the kids. We got to keep them quiet. I'm like, no, it's a family show. Bring the kids on. This is your family. This is, this is what it takes to be married, okay? And you have twin one-year-olds. This this is life. You have to- Be flexible. You know, be flexible. And it takes a lot to carve out this little bit of time because you don't have too much of that. Though. And we know you guys have a schedule. Because yeah. Sajeda makes sure, doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I'm she, yeah. so thankful for the schedule. The only bad thing about the schedule, we're within 30 minutes of their feeding time. time. Get real lively here. So we have 30 minutes to get this done. Right. So what were you guys saying before we took the break? You were talking about, oh, the money. The money, right. Right? Different bank accounts? Yeah, the, the separate checking accounts worked for us, even though everybody basically said oh, that's God. not what works for marriage and that's not what you should do. But we found out that that really is It does, because uh, we did make sure that we both contributed to the household account. Okay? Exactly. So Jada had her spending money, and I did not question what she spent it on. Yeah. And I had my little money, which ended up paying the bills anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not how it is anymore, No, though. not but of course, yeah. I just always wanted to make sure that everything was taken care of. No lights were getting cut off. Because mm -hmm. this is young, I mean, young marriage. We were entry-level jobs here. They weren't doing what we do now. There is no right and wrong in marriage. We can't mm -hmm. look at society and say, I should do it this way. You have to create your marriage on what works for each person. That's right. part of understanding each other. Because even though your checking accounts are separate, you still realize like you have to come together. And as a household, as one when let's just say she's short, you're willing to, to pick up the slack. Like there's really no division, even though there's two separate bank accounts. Is that how Correct. you kind of look at that marriage? That's that's how we did it early on. That's how we started, because mm -hmm. I would say I have this X and I need. Do you have you know X amount that mm -hmm. we can put this together and continue to pay the rent, pay the water bill, all of that stuff? And then, of course, I wanted to make sure she had something that she could do something with that. That's what we did. We, yes, we, we, we kind of looked at both of our incomes at the time. And we said, I, I think Cedric kind of looked at everything and said, okay, every pay period, because I was getting a salary. So it was like every pay period, let's figure out an amount that will come into the household. Right. Initially, that's what, what happened. So I would get paid, but I knew we tithed and then this amount went to the household. And so everything else that was left, I mean, I could do anything I wanted with that. I could put it all in my savings. I could go buy a purse. I mean, I could do whatever. And, but uh, this amount every month went into the household. Right. Now we've kind of changed things. Things have significantly changed over the years because we're both in real estate. We're both realtors. We're both 100% commission. One of the things that we realized this, I mean, this was life changing. And I don't know that, I don't know that it could work in everybody's family, but I'll tell you what it worked for us. One of the most life-changing things we did was first Financial Peace University. Oh, yes. That was life-changing yeah. for us. That's Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Financial yeah. Mm -hmm. Peace mm -hmm. classes. And, but after we did that and did the debt payoff and a lot of stuff like that, now when any income comes in the house, it goes into a spreadsheet. And what we did was we put, we said, okay, 100% goes at the top of the spreadsheet. So let's just say whatever that amount is, let's say $5,000, okay? So- 
or a thousand dollars for easy calculation. A thousand dollars is a hundred percent. Every single thing has a percentage now. So it doesn't matter where the income comes from. It's automatically, you've got 10% going to tithe. You've got 23% going to this. You've got 15% that goes here. You've got, you know, might be 10% that goes to savings. Each of us get paid, whatever that is, or 5%, let's just say. And so we break out that entire, based on what's important for us, it might be the kids' school that we're saving for gets a certain percentage or travel. That's a huge thing for us. We like to travel. And so 5% or 2%, it might be 1%. It depends on, because it changes during Mm -hmm. the year. Mm -hmm. It goes to a certain um, effort or savings account. And so that there's no, this is one of the things my dad always said is if you will create a system for whatever the issue is in your life, Mm -hmm. your life, your marriage, whatever, if you will create a system Mm -hmm. You never have to argue about it again is going to answer the question. So now we don't have to say, okay, well, gosh, this is tax money that, oh gosh, the government's sending us a tax bill. You know, what do we do with this? Or we got a bonus. What do we do with it? It goes into the spreadsheet and the system answers those questions. Very good. And why I asked that question is because I know that a lot of marriages, people go into it one without the education of what marriage is. And with that, trying to say, well, this is my money and this is your money. They may have separate bank accounts. They're still looking at their marriage as separate. Separate. And and that's why I was trying to get, I think the biggest key is that if separate bank accounts work, then that's wonderful. If the same bank account works, that's wonderful. But what we have to realize in marriage is that it's not where the money is. It's where the two people are. Where's our unison? Is it, right. Are we trying to be united as one, regardless of how we pay these bills? You know, right. and, and, and that right there, can, that messes with a lot of marriages. I think the number one reason why people can't make it in marriage is because of finances. That's they so can't seem to get wrapped around how to make them work. That's right. Right. So tell us about the family, the one-year-old uh, twins. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Has it um, been trying? And it puts, a, it puts a strain on your marriage. It does. Oh, it does. I'll tell you the biggest blessing, though, uh, I was actually thinking about this this morning, was that the girls were in the NICU for two weeks okay. before okay. they came home. And the NICU nurses put all of those babies on a schedule. So they came home at two weeks old on a two, four, six, eight. Hey. So you guys had it easy though. So that's yeah, easy. Yes, because most of the t- most people don't get that. And so no, it was a three, six, nine, twelve. So three, three a.m., six a.m., nine, twelve, all day long for twenty four hours. So of course we weren't getting any sleep, but at least <laughs> they had a schedule. Yes. And so now they they're still on a schedule during the day, and and they sleep twelve hours a night. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, goodness. but but yes, it has been trying. But because we took so long to have kids. We just enjoy every single season. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So how are your work schedules with their schedules, especially with the pandemic? going on. So how do, how do you guys work that out? So our initial plan was um, once they turned one, because they turned one in April, was to go ahead and have a nanny come in and um, be able to transition back because we both have offices at our real estate office. Back in the office, Cedric has been working time, time and overtime for the past year because <laughs> I have been home with them. But then COVID happened. And so that has really turned things upside down. And so the, the whole nanny thing went out the window. And so we've kind of had to spring in 
in summer, you know, with COVID spring has come a little, has started a little bit later in the real estate market. And so it's just started to get really busy, really, really busy in May and June versus uh, March and April. So we're now kind of looking toward late summer, early fall to start the whole nanny process. But right now... Kind of like you said, when she started talking, she wasn't going to stop. It's just like, like Cedric ran to get them when they started piping up. It's kind of the same way. We have kind of just figured out that we have to make it work. Right. And so if I have a buyer, if I have a walkthrough at a house, he stays with them. If he has one, I'll stay with them. I mean, like right now, we've kind of just been trading off to figure the schedule out. And we he might work, work early in the, or in the, earlier in the day. I may work later at night. So it's going to be really helpful to be able to get somebody in to help. So I just want to ask this question. There are a lot of marriages out there that do not have that 100, 100% in their marriage. Jason and I, we don't say 50-50. Because 50-50 would, would suggest that you're only giving 50% to your marriage. And we don't we give a hundred percent so if you give a hundred and he gives a hundred it makes it work but what would you say to those couples out there that are struggling with the fact to get their wife or their husband to do more like we said how you start a marriage it kind of continues that way what do you think how how can we address that issue it has to be in you 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 have to want to be to do more but if I start the relationship where I'm doing 90% and now we've been married some time, how do I get you to understand that, okay, now I would like for you to start doing 50% of the work and I do 50% of the work where we're both giving 100%, sharing the workload. How do you, how does someone do that? I think it comes down to like the partner that is doing all the work that needs the help would have to express, how can you help me? And I need, we need to come to terms of how can we start together on this so that we can help each other. Because if if you don't express or share your emotion to that or give in some insight as to what's causing the angst in you by you not, by your partner not helping you, they don't they're not aware of it. Right, and, right, right, exactly. Right. They're not aware of it. And then like he and like Jason said, you know, it, it's not in them. So you've got to kind of help but that. You got to help put that seed in them. And it takes time. It won't happen overnight. I was actually thinking the same thing because that was, I mean, to be totally transparent, I am the middle child and my sister and I shared a bedroom growing up and I was that sister that she drew the line in the middle and was like, keep all of your crap on that side. And so that was really, you don't change overnight just because you got put on a wedding dress and a wedding Preach, preach. I know exactly what you mean. Yes, because you think you change overnight. Well, you don't. And so bless Cedric's heart, right? (laughs) I mean, for years, for years, he would. And so I can speak to the fact that how do you get somebody to do their, their part? He would help me. Like, he'd be like, hey, this Saturday, why don't we clean the bedroom? <laughs> so we would clean the bedroom and hang all this stuff up and put everything together. Da, 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 da. And so little by little, you know, that starts to kind of go, oh gosh, okay, this is getting on here. I need to handle this before he wants to help me, you know? And so now, <laughs> fast forward 22 years, and I will say it probably took, and I know somebody is about to roll their eyes and go, I'm not waiting that long. <laughs> Listen, wait that long, okay? Because it probably took like 12, 13 years, around the 13 year mark is when I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Like, 
Now, 22 years in, I'm totally Marie Kondo. I love, my drawers are all like perfect. It's not perfect all the time. And certainly in the past year with the girls, it's like a process that needs to start all over again. (laughs) But, um, But I do, I like things organized. I like things to be in their place. I'm kind of like, okay, we need to clear off this countertop. It's getting too cluttered. But that is such a process. And I was the other day, about how, like, what would have happened if two, three, five, seven, 10, 11, 13 years in, right. he'd be like, you know what? I'm done with this. <laughs> I want a clean house all the time from the beginning. I don't want to wait 15 years for that. You know, we wouldn't be sitting here. That's the, that's the bottom line. Exactly. And so we have to be patient. And then we have to realize, again, it comes from background. Right. Because yeah. you started mm-hmm. that way. You were the one with that side of the room that you just didn't clean. And yeah. Definitely. Well, kids come here to teach us a lot. I mean, we think we got this thing all figured out, but they come in and it's a totally different ball game. I mean, they just rearrange your whole lifestyle. And so yeah, like, right. like now you, you are all in control. You had spreadsheet, you know where the money's going. Your stuff was all in the we proper won't, place we, we won't, and everything. We won't, let them, we won't tell them. We're going to let it yeah. be a surprise for those yeah. when they get yeah. it. Just talk to me in about 16 more years. I remember when they didn't question anything, when they just loved us unconditionally and everything we did was right. I went from being smart to being the dumb parent to now I'm kind of like being a smart parent. My kids actually now (laughs) appreciate a lot of things that we were trying to teach them. Where before it was like, dad, you don't know anything. No, that's not how it is. But now that's how it is. And they appreciate it. So you guys work together, right? You guys run your own uh, real estate uh, business. Is it yours? Yes. Yeah. So I'm a real estate broker, an associate broker. We were the first Magnolia team when we we're Magnolia Residential Group at Keller Williams. And then Chip and Joanna got a show. Cedric's from Magnolia, Mississippi. And, you know, our first dog was Magnolia. Our wedding flowers are Magnolia. So we're kind of Magnolia. We love Magnolia. So anyway, that's our team. And yeah, we work together. It's going on eight. Well, yeah, because Cedric, I've been a realtor 13 years. Yeah. And so what made you go into real estate, Cedric? So after my (laughs) second layoff, (laughs) I've worked in the corporate corporate arena, worked for Fortune 500 companies. And and we had had this game plan for like to 18 month transition to be able to work with her. And so right at my second layoff, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this whole corporate thing and I'm going to go get my license. He called me and said things were getting so busy in real estate for Mm -hmm. me. And so it was kind of right at that point where I kind of needed a buyer's agent anyway. And so he called me this one day and said, because layoffs at his job had started about 12 to 15 months before. He called and said, hey, it just happened there. They just gave us notice. Our team is, is getting laid off. And First thing out of my mouth was, I'm so glad. Oh my gosh. So do you want to take your severance package and transition to another job? Or do you want to get your license and we can start working together? It was a question, but it really wasn't a question. It was. Yeah, Yeah, it was kind (laughs) of like, please, please say real estate. We could rock this thing. That's good. So you were willing? Because not everyone is willing to transition. So how did it work? So I think early on, because I knew I wanted to be in business for myself, because I think in that, in between the first layoff before I got the second job to end it in a second layoff, I had a landscaping business. Okay. And so I, I worked from dark 30 to dark 30. I needed to stop that. So I knew that I needed to do something that would allow me to be able to not physically work the way I've been working. So when Sajeda got into real estate, I started looking into that. And eventually we started talking about a plan, a game plan to, to kind of get transition to that. And it, and it just... It worked itself. It weaved itself. Yeah, it was a natural transition. Because what what I'm really blessed to have is 
through the through my career, I've had things that I have learned and I have taught and I have managed that led me to this. Literally, I feel like I was born to do this. We say every day we get we are so privileged to be able to help people to achieve one of their biggest assets in life yes. Two, to be able to get them into something that was is a support system for them. Right. Their family to create family. I've, we've helped so many married couples. And so many people who have gotten married and have babies later. It's a blessing to be able to help people. Definitely. That's good. Because sometimes when you think that you want to work together, it doesn't always work out that way. Because you can't escape them. You know, how (laughs) do you separate that? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good question. And one of the first things we were not ready for was that the 40 hours that your spouse is at work, they work totally different than you you ever would. Oh, yes. So that first that first year was brutal because we would do things so differently and I would go, Oh, that's how you would do that? Because I would never do that. You know? Right. And and you just wouldn't have thought that it would be that it would be one way or another. So it's just it was a process. I think yeah. it was a transitional process. And I think that's what marriage is. That's the biggest thing we have to understand in marriage is that it's a process. Yes. I just want to hit on one more point. The biggest thing in marriage that we don't do is that we don't take the time before we get married to really understand the person and the process of two separate different people coming together. So as we close this out, our podcast is not only for married couples, but for people who are thinking about getting married. Because I think it's so important going in with the right tools and the right understanding to make it work. What advice can you guys give a couple to help them through their marriage or if they're going to get married about making it work? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would say is for the man is that you need to figure it out or if you because if you don't have it, you got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But compassion is number one. It's more than just physical. Compassion comes in so many ways that it comes down to patience, concern, loving kindness, being gentle, being soft-spoken, having self-control. Those things I think a man needs to have, to learn to have. And everything else will fall into place. Which is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Points back to the Lord. Definitely to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, period. Because there's so many times where in marriage where I have known I was right. I've said what I thought. I knew I was right. That's the way it was. And I know Cedric could say the same thing. And you back up and you walk away. And then if you will take the time to reach out and, and, and realize that maybe just maybe everything that you're thinking in the head that you have (laughs) is not all there is. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you ask somebody else other than your best friend or your mom, like the (laughs) Lord, what does he think about it? Then in a lot of cases, cases in your marriage, you're going to hear something totally different. And you're going to have to realize that the way you were thinking was not the way it really should have been. Then having that humility to go back and be like, you know what? I'm really sorry. I I thought that this is what the way it should have been. And that goes back to communication. My tone wasn't right when I was telling you about it. Like I said earlier, it's a million, marriage is a million little things, but it's also a million little sincere apologies to move forward. And you know what I hear in that, I don't know you, but what I hear in that is that when you said, I just knew I was right. And then being the bigger person to be willing to come back and say, it was me, right. you know, not saying, right. well, you didn't listen to me right. or didn't you didn't, you didn't you tell me that it wasn't this. Instead of right. trying to project that onto your mate, you actually right. stand up and say, 
this is something that I did. Taking ownership over what we do in our relationships. That's the, I think that was big. So many times and so many couples that we talk to, it's the mate. You know, it's because of him or her or whatever. I, I thought I was right, but then I had to come back and apologize. So that's taking ownership and what you know what parts you're playing in the relationship. Self-awareness, absolutely. That's a big key. Can I add one more to that? You yes. sure can. One more that I think is really important that I would not have known about, that I would not have known about 22 or 5, 20, 15 years ago is that there are some times when you're going to you're going to pray for things and you're going to think they can that they're going to change and you're going to have to keep praying about it and waiting and keep praying about it and waiting and keep praying about it and waiting Absolutely. because there's some things that I prayed for 22 years ago that I didn't see for 15 years mm. or and, and I'm sure Cedric too like I we just talked about that he didn't see for 13 years just because you're praying about something if you don't see a change in 6 months or a year or two years or five, that doesn't mean that it's not going to change. Just believe God and wait and know that if you guys are both seeking him for wisdom, then you also need to have the patience to know that he's working. I mean, just, just like these girls, you know, with these twins, just because you're crying doesn't mean I'm not making you lunch. Like wait for it. It's coming. There are couples out there that do not have spirituality in their relationships. What do you say to that couple that does not have God in their relationship? There are honestly some times in our relationship where I, if we didn't have God, I don't know what we would have done. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's a hard, it's a hard answer, but it is the 100% truth because there are some things, like we said earlier, that what got you into that problem, the thinking that got you into that problem is not going to be the same level of thinking, thinking that's going to get you out. Right. And so there are some problems that only changing your entire mindset and thinking about things differently and allowing the Lord to change your mind, right? To mm -hmm. literally change the way you think is the only thing that's going to get you out. We've gone to so many conferences and seminars and things like that over the years. If you're not, if you don't have spirituality and you don't have any desire for that, at the very least, get yourself to a conference where someone with a different level of yes. thinking right. is going to be able to speak into you. It doesn't hurt you to put yourself in a position to be, to have the truth spoken over you, right. the truth. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's critical. It's, it's absolutely critical. What about you, Cedric? What do you think about that? Couples that may not have God in their relationship. And I see, I see many different families. And so even in our real estate business, we can be counselors. Ultimately, God is first. I mean, Jesus paid it all. Yeah. Even this stuff in your marriage, he paid yeah. for it yeah. mm -hmm. already. Okay. Now you don't have to be quote unquote, a Bible thumper. You don't have to be the one that's so bound that you can't see. Okay. It's a relationship. That's, it's just like the relationship you have with your spouse. It's a relationship with whom, who can give you answers and help you along the way. That's by far is what I try to tell people is that it's more than just what you see. We don't see the unseen that causes this strike. Yeah. We need to see someone who can help us through all this. I really want to thank you guys for coming on the show, for taking out the time and speaking with us. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed your family. <laughs> I enjoyed the girls. Cedric, I always give the guys a hard time. Cedric is an active guy from the very beginning. 
You just didn't say it. You actually put actions behind what you really want to have happen in your relationship. And that's why it's successful. All right. So that's another episode of Love and Beyond the I Do podcast. And remember, we're we're in in it to win it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Love and Beyond the I Do podcast. Head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legendary Relationship or visit our website at legendaryrelationship.com. Till next time, remember to make every day count.